Talking Back. I'm your host, Dr. Paula Sperry. For the next half hour, I invite you to join me as we explore health issues in the news and learn from those involved in keeping our community healthy. Our goal is not to diagnose or to suggest treatment, but to celebrate your body's innate potential to heal itself. Good morning, everybody. This is Dr. Paula Sperry. Thank you for tuning in to Talking Back. On today's program, we're going to be addressing a few pretty interesting topics. One is losing weight with cabbage. Then we're going to look at fat bacteria and mRNA jabs in your pork. Are they safe? And if we have time, we'll get into the benefits of infrared sauna. A great thing to do when it's cold outside or any time of year. In the background is Wally Badero, and uh, he's usually behind my stuff. He's a Parisian, West African, Caribbean artist. We like playing him here on WOMR. So are you still trying to get healthy by losing weight? Well, try eating more cabbage. Just a quick warning, this is not good for people with thyroid conditions, so make sure your thyroid's clear before you decide to follow this advice. Many prominent medical experts and health institutions in Japan advocate for people with diabetes or obesity to simply eat cabbage because it supports weight loss and reduces blood sugar levels. So before we get started, it's important to note that it's simple and conductive to good health, but not suitable for everyone. Professor Koichiro Fujita, a prominent figure in immunology, eats a small serving of vinegar-based cabbage before every meal, resulting in improvements in his body weight, gout, and severe diabetes. A medical doctor, Dr. Fujita initially worked as a plastic surgeon, but later shifted his focus to immunology. However, despite his expertise in immunology, he didn't prioritize his own health. Sounds familiar. Before turning 50, he didn't restrict his diet, ate whatever he desired, and enjoyed alcohol whenever he pleased. Consequently, He developed diabetes, gout, and hair loss. You know, diabetes is not so much from sweets. Here's the real enemy. Dr. Fujita suffered two diabetic emergencies. The first occurred in 2000, and he showed improvement after being treated with insulin. However, in 2010, his health deteriorated again, and his blood sugar levels spiked to 450 milligrams per deciliter. That's four times the healthy maximum of 110 milligrams per deciliter. At 5 foot 10 inches tall, he weighed 194 pounds. Diabetes is a multifactorial chronic disease that stems from genetic and lifestyle factors. The number of type 2 diabetic patients is increasing worldwide. And according to data from the International Diabetes Federation, 537 million adults aged 20 to 79 are living with this disease. The number is predicted to rise to 643 million by 2030 and 783 million by 2045 if we keep going the way we are. 
In 2021 alone, diabetes caused 6.7 million deaths. That's one death every five seconds. To regain his health, Dr. Fujita decided to lose weight. After trying various methods and conducting research, he chose to eat more cabbage to restrict his sugar intake. He would eat a simple, small bowl of cabbage, about three and a half ounces before meals. Sometimes it was raw and sometimes marinated in vinegar. After eating the cabbage for two weeks, his blood sugar levels dropped to 90 milligrams per deciliter. Now remember, that is after having it over 400 milligrams per deciliter. Two months later, his triglyceride level was also cut in half. After four months, his hemoglobin A1c level dropped to 6% from almost 11%. During this process, he also experienced significant weight loss, shedding up to 33 pounds. Additionally, he found relief from chronic conditions such as gout and fatty liver, leading to a noticeable improvement in his overall health. You know, if you're overweight, you may have fat bacteria in your gut. In Dr. Fujita's book, Eradicate Fat Bacteria and Lose Weight with Pre-Meal Vinegar Cabbage Diet, he writes that Karina Marayama, a former player for the Japanese world's national soccer team, tried the weight loss method of eating vinegar-soaked cabbage. She lost five and one-half pounds in just two weeks, experiencing a 13-inch reduction in her waist circumference. Dr. Fujita said that some individuals, despite their efforts, struggle to lose weight potentially because of an excess presence of fat bacteria in their gut. These fat bacteria belong to a group of gut bacteria called Bacillota, known for storing fat and sugar. An overabundance of fat bacteria in the gut absorbs a significant amount of energy, leading to weight gain. On the other hand, the gut also hosts lean bacteria belonging to a group called Bacteroidota, which burn fat. According to Dr. Fujita, fat bacteria and lean bacteria have a competitive relationship in your gut. So when the population of fat bacteria increases, the number of lean bacteria decreases, and conversely, the increase in lean bacteria results in a reduction of fat bacteria. So to lose weight, it's essential to reduce the number of fat bacteria in your gut and establish an environment conductive to increasing the population of that lean bacteria. Fat bacteria thrive on low fiber, high fat and high sugar foods, and lean bacteria prefer high fiber, low fat and low sugar foods. No surprise. Dr. Fujita explains that cabbage, a cruciferous vegetable, is rich in dietary fiber, which can increase the number of beneficial bacteria in your gut. Furthermore, the acetic acid in vinegar increases the acidity of the gut, creating an environment conductive to the growth of beneficial bacteria of all kinds. Both cabbage and vinegar have a low fat and sugar content, making them an ideal combination for reducing this fat bacteria and increasing the gut's lean bacteria. According to Dr. Fujita, he says that vinegar can also inhibit the rapid increase in blood sugar after meals, soften your blood vessels, and lower your blood pressure. Cabbage also presents strong antioxidant properties capable of eliminating free radicals, which are a major cause of disease and aging. 
In February, the journal Diabetes Care published a comprehensive study in which researchers analyzed 54,793 participants between the ages of 50 and 64, with a median follow-up of 16.3 years. The results showed that the higher total intake of vegetables, particularly green leafy vegetables in the cabbage family, were significantly associated with the risk of type 2 diabetes. Notably, participants of the highest total vegetable intake group had a 21% lower risk of developing type 2 diabetes compared to those in the lowest group. The cabbage weight loss diet is preferred by Japanese medical experts. More than a decade ago, Dr. Tarashi was overweight. He was five foot six inches tall and weighed 198 pounds. His waist circumference was nearly 38 inches and he had high triglyceride and blood sugar levels. He also suffered from sleep apnea, which affects about one out of every five Americans, by the way. Dr. Terashi, a renowned expert from the Japanese Society of Allerology and the director of the Terashi Clinic, ate one-sixth of a cabbage before each meal which led to a 44-pound weight loss in just three months. Another hospital director in Japan employed the same method and shed nearly 92 pounds. In his article, Dr. Tarashi states that eating cabbage is a weight loss method that doesn't require dieting and promotes overall health. He further explained that phytochemicals and dietary fibers in cabbage are naturally heat-resistant meaning that they don't break down even if you boil them. Hence, there's no need to worry about losing any nutrients because of cooking. Dr. Kiyoshi Uchiba, the director of Uka Hospital in Nagano City, believes that eating vegetables slowly before meals stimulates the brain, preventing overeating. Additionally, Dr. Uchiba said that dietary fiber in cabbage can protect the intestinal mucosa. Dr. Nina Ishihara, a vice director of Ishihara Clinic, incorporated three and a half ounces of cabbage into her diet and successfully shed 11 pounds in just four months. She replaced her main course with cabbage and complemented it with appropriate side dishes. Even when her weight fluctuated slightly, she maintained control by adjusting the quantity of cabbage in her meals. Dr. Ishihara believes that the primary health concern for middle-aged and elderly individuals is hypertension, that's high blood pressure, because of excessive salt intake. Cabbage is rich in potassium, and that helps eliminate excess salt. Cabbage can also contribute to beauty and overall health, Dr. Ishihara says, and vinegar-soaked cabbage can help with fatigue and has been shown to enhance liver function and help the breakdown of alcohol. Here's her recommended method for making vinegar-soaked cabbage. First, you take one half a cabbage, or about 500 grams. Add to it 500 milliliters of vinegar. Either grain or rice vinegar will do. That's about two cups. Then you can add two to three fresh chili peppers for a little extra taste, and also to accelerate the burn in the gut. Now to prepare them, you sterilize a glass jar by rinsing it with boiling water and allow it to dry. 
Cut the cabbage into thin strips or your preferred shape and then place them in the glass jar. Add those chili peppers, optional for those who don't enjoy the spicy food, and then pour in the vinegar until it completely covers the cabbage. Seal that jar with a lid and refrigerate it. It's ready to serve after about 12 to 24 hours when the cabbage has softened. Those with a sluggish thyroid or digestive issues should refrain from eating large amounts of cabbage and should check with their natural health providers before considering this as a weight control method. Just remember, the cruciferous vegetables are not good for your thyroid gland. So if you're already having thyroid issues, you may want to consider trying to lose weight in a different way. Now we're going to move on to hazardous swine drugs. Many herds are now being treated with customizable mRNA-based, quote, vaccines. And since health authorities keep insisting the COVID shots are safe, they're also insisting that there are no problems associated with eating mRNA-treated meat. But can we trust them? Livestock, such as swine or pigs, are routinely vaccinated against several diseases, and many of these vaccines must be administered at specific times to ensure there's no residue left in the meat. When using the mRNA technology, however, there is no time limit. So, just when are swine receiving these customized mRNA shots? And could there be mRNA residue in the pork you eat? let alone the fact that mRNA shots of all types program your cells, and in this case, the pig cells, to simply be making more viral proteins. And just another thought, vaccines are nearly always given in the hindquarters of animals, and according to mRNA jab developers, the mRNA remains at the injection site, so this theory has long since been proven false. Now we know that the mRNA from the COVID jab is shown to be distributed throughout the whole human body. But it just makes sense that the mRNA from a recent jab might be more concentrated at that injection site. And this is bad news since the hindquarters are usually where the best prime cuts of meat come from. Knowing if there are any mRNA residues left in the animal at the time of slaughter is important. At present, we have no way of knowing this, and we don't have enough adequate research to even know exactly how long the synthetic lipid-enveloped mRNA stays in the body of man or beast. We also don't know how long the antigen produced by the animal cells in response to the customized mRNA shot sticks around and whether ingesting that antigen might have an effect on our human health. Stanford researchers found the spike protein produced in response to COVID shots remains in the human body for at least 60 days, and this spike protein is what's causing most of the health problems that are associated with the jab, such as cardiomyopathy and blood clots. Could the same be true for mRNA jabs used in animals? Hogs are killed anywhere from the age of six weeks to 10 months, which doesn't allow a whole lot of time 
for the mRNA and or antigens to get flushed out. Due to the uncertainties involved, we should probably be avoiding pork products. Pork is also very high in linoleic acid, a harmful omega-6 fat that drives chronic diseases. What are some of the benefits of infrared sauna? All the light we see ultimately streams from the sun in waves, which come in seven basic sizes or lengths. The shortest wave is violet. Ultraviolet is shorter still but can't be seen. At the other end of the light spectrum, there's red, the longest visible wave. If you go longer, you're in the infrared radiation zone of light that's associated with healing. Spending time in an infrared sauna, which is like an ordinary sauna, with the source of infrared waves has been linked to health benefits. This includes detoxification, weight loss, and pain relief. Sitting in a sauna that's generating infrared light is so good for the heart that it's considered legitimate therapy by Japanese cardiologists. You can't see infrared light any more than you can't see ultraviolet but it's just as real as any other light. You can also take advantage of ordinary visible red light, which also has soothing benefits and supports health and healing. Red light might be particularly important for building a strong immune system and the relaxing effects can even help insomniacs. If you have problems falling asleep, you can buy a red light ball. They're easily available on the internet and then before you go to bed, try turning off all your regular lights, just leaving on one or two red ones. You'll find yourself calming down, eventually getting drowsy and falling asleep more readily. Turn off your cell phone and your computer and your TV whenever you can. They are an amazing source of blue light that can counteract red light sleep promoting properties. This was from pharmacist Ben Fuchs and reported in Critical Health News. December 2023. How important are certain B vitamins in your diet? Saul is the editor-in-chief of Orthomolecular Medicine News Service, and among his 11 book credits is Niacin, The Real Story, which he co-wrote with one of the leading niacin researchers and world authorities on the therapeutic use of niacin, Dr. Abram Hoffer. Niacin, Hoffer found, may actually be a key treatment for psychological disorders, including schizophrenia. Dr. Hoffer started doing tests, studies, and research into niacin back in the early 1950s, and by 1954, Hoffer had performed the first double-blind placebo-controlled nutrition studies in the history of psychiatry. Saul said. Hoffer had a PhD in biochemistry and also was a medical doctor, a board-certified psychiatrist and head of psychiatry for one of the provinces in Canada. Hoffer reasoned that schizophrenia had symptoms that were very similar to those of pellagra. Pellagra is an extreme or total niacin deficiency. Pellagrins in addition to having skin problems and many other things, have mental illness symptoms. When vitamin B3 or niacin was first added 
as an enrichment or a fortification to flower, about half the people in mental institutions went home. This isn't a well-known fact. They were there not because they were mentally ill, but because of genetic, environmental, or social reasons, but because they were malnourished. He wondered about the half that didn't go home. He started giving what, at the time, were preposterously high doses of niacin or vitamin B3 at 3,000 milligrams per day, and he was curing schizophrenia in 80% of the cases. Hoffer saw again and again that niacin works. He then studied it, did the placebo-controlled double-blind testing, and started writing paper after paper on it. At that point, the American Psychiatric Association literally blacklisted him. Oh, why does that always happen? Somebody gets on a great bent on healthcare and they get kicked out. You know, niacin has been shown to work for other mental disorders as well. Certain people have niacin dependency, meaning they need far more niacin on a regular basis than normal. Essentially, they're beyond deficient. They're dependent on high doses of niacin in order to remain well. This particularly appears to be the case with mental disorders. According to Saul, other researchers have since confirmed Hoffer's findings and found that niacin can be successfully used in the treatment of disorders such as attention deficit disorders, general psychosis, anxiety and depression, and obsessive compulsive disorders. You know, vitamin B12 deficiency is another one that can contribute to mania, psychosis, and paranoid delusions. And this has also been shown since the mid-1950s. As noted in a 1956 paper titled Cerebral Manifestations of Vitamin B12 Deficiency, published in the British Medical Journal, in a series of 25 cases of vitamin B12 deficiency syndrome with the involvement of the nervous system, I have encountered 14 cases with well-marked cerebral symptoms. The mental symptoms are extremely variable and include mild disorders of mood, mental slowness, memory deficit, which may be gross, confusion, severe agitation, and depression, delusions and paranoid behavior, visual and auditory hallucination, violent maniacal behavior, and epilepsy. None of these symptoms is characteristic of the disease. How common is deficiency of vitamin B12? While vitamin B12 is easily obtained from animal protein foods such as meat, fish, milk, cheese, and eggs, advancing age can diminish your body's ability to absorb this vitamin from your food. Your body's ability to absorb B12 depends on three factors, adequate stomach acid, the enzyme pepsin and gastric intrinsic factor. With age, stomach acid often diminishes. You may have insufficient amounts of acid, especially if you take acid blockers for heartburn. Many also lack gastric intrinsic factor. Pernicious anemia is an even greater concern as this condition effectively prevents the absorption of vitamin B12. Vegans and strict vegetarians are also at a high risk for B12 deficiency unless they take a high quality supplement since B12 
is primarily obtained from animal foods. As noted by psychiatrists at Wayne State University of Medicine in a 2009 case report on vitamin B12 deficiency and depression in the elderly, quote, it's estimated that 10 to 15% of individuals over age 60 years may suffer from vitamin B12 deficiency. In this report, we describe an elderly woman who suffered from severe psychotic depression who did not improve with conventional drug treatment, but recovered significantly following the administration of vitamin B12, illustrating the possibility that vitamin B12 deficiency might play a role in the development of this mood disorder. B vitamins can also protect us against dementia and slow Alzheimer's disease. Vitamins B6 and B9, folate or folic acid in its synthetic form, and vitamin B12 have also made headlines for their powerful role in preventing cognitive decline and more serious dementias such as Alzheimer's disease. In fact, mental fogginess and memory problems are two top warning signs of a vitamin B12 deficiency, indicating its importance for brain health. These B vites can suppress homocysteine, which tends to be elevated with brain degeneration. One study confirms this and was published in 2010. After two years, those receiving the vitamin B regimen had significantly less brain shrinkage compared to the placebo group, and those with the highest levels of homocysteine at the start of the trial experienced brain shrinkage at half the rate of those taking the placebo. A 2013 study took this step a little further, showing that not only do B vitamins slow brain shrinkage, but in those specific areas of the brain, the shrinkage was decreased by as much as 700%. So where can we find these great brain nutrients? <clears throat> Ideally, you want to get most, if not all, of your nutrition from real food. This includes plants and animals eating organic and locally grown to avoid your toxic pesticides. Also consider limiting sugar and eating fermented foods. Did you know we have an entire group of B vitamins produced in your gut? Assuming that you have healthy gut flora, eating real food, ideally organic, along with fermented foods, will provide your microbiome with important fiber and beneficial bacteria to help optimize your internal vitamin B production naturally. Thanks for tuning in to Talking Back, everyone, uh, and enjoying this issues in the news. Hopefully there was something in there to be learned by someone somewhere. And uh, we'll be back with you next week with either another guest or more issues in the news. Stay well. Thank you for tuning in to Talking Back. Talking Back is heard on WOMR Radio at 92.1 FM at this time each week. If you have news or comments to share, or you would like to be a guest on Talking Back, write, call, or email this station, care of Dr. Paula Sperry, WOMR FM Radio, Post Office Box 975, 
Provincetown, Massachusetts, 02657. Or you can give us a call. We're at 508-487-2619 or 1-800-921-9667. We're also at www.womr.org online. Tune in next week. And until we meet again, please remember to love your body.